Good morning, man. We're so glad you guys are here today. You're in our series called Life in HD. It's week five. Next week will be week six and we'll finish up. And then right after we finish week six, we're going to one of my, it'll be Father's Day. And one of my favorite series, we've only done it once. It'll be my, it'll be the second time we do it in, 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 um, in two weeks, will be our series called At the Movies. At the movies. So that's where we bring popcorn and soda all in church, and we have just a good time. We look at movies that are in the theaters or movies that have been played, and we find things that God wants us to see in those movies, and we apply them to our life. And so we're really excited about At the Movies. And if you've never had popcorn or Coke in church, you ought to come. <laughs> you ought to come. We'll have a good time. We like to have fun in our church. We're glad you're here today. Um, this past week, one of my friends messaged me and said, Hey, man, we got to get together. I said, yeah, let's do it. Well, this friend I went to high school with and, and middle school and even went to college together. Um, my buddy Chad is here today. I'm super excited about him. And his wife is Dama. And we got to, get, got to go to um, Gringos Locos or Locos Gringos. It really doesn't matter because in Spanish, it kind of, they say things just in, they just slip things around, Vanessa. It's kind of how you guys do it. And so we got to have tacos. We're going to have a good time. And I'm super glad he's here today. And whenever you have friends from high school show up, it's just they don't, they don't remember me. I mean, they remember me what I was like back then. I was a jerk back then. And I'm trying, my sister laughed, <laughs> and her friend who knows me from high school too. Uh, I was a jerk in high school, and I'm working on it now still. I'm trying to be more compassionate. I'm not good at it, um, but I'm glad they're here today. And I met a new friend this week from the Chamber of Commerce. My buddy JR is here today, him and his wife, and, and I'm really, really glad they're here today. Um, I grew up in a church, um, in the same church that Chad grew up. JR, I'm going to give you a pass on this. But we grew up at a church where if you were a visitor, they made you stand up in church. That's old school church. How many of you guys were from old school church where they made the visitor stand up? We don't want to embarrass you, but if you're a visitor, stand up. You know, 300 people and only three people stand up. That's embarrassing, by the way. And so that's the school that I'm from. We don't do that here. But I got to hang out with, uh, with JR this week. And um, JR is a business owner. And um, he did not write this book, so I'm not getting any publicity from it. But JR gave me this book this week called Traction, if you're a business owner. Um, you ought to pick it up. It's called um, Get a Grip on Your Business. And um, as business owners, um, one of the things that I was telling uh, JR this, this week, that I'm praying that God would allow me to be around more business owners. And so over the, next, over the next five to six months, I'm praying that I can meet five to ten business owners and kind of hang out with them and pour into them. Because what I realize is about business owners and, and, and leaders, it's, leadership is lonely. Leadership is lonely. No one doesn't know. You don't know. If you're not in charge, it's, it's hard to know what it's like if you're not in charge. Um, I, my father-in-law comes to our church and I worked for him for eight years, but I used to think, man, I can't wait to be a pastor. And then I became a pastor. I'm like, where's, where's that church? I want to go back. <laughs> I was like, can you guys hire me back? Because being a number two guy or number three guy or being a support staff is way, way, way less, less, um, less pressure than it is just um, to, be a, to be a pastor. And whenever we started the church, our church is about a year and a half old. September will be two years old. And I remember when we had that first Sunday, I'm like, man, this is awesome. This is incredible. This is incredible. I mean, we had so many people there, and we saw people saved, and, and lives are changing. And, and then Monday happened. I'm like, look at my wife. I'm like, oh, crud. We have to do this again next week. <laughs> and uh, I, you got to do it every single Sunday and every single week, and it takes a lot. And, um, but anyways, I, I, God's just kind of put that in my heart to be around these business owners. And this book's called Traction. He gave it to me this week. And um, you got to, if you're a business owner or want to be a business owner or want to know what it's like to be a business owner, pick up that book. It's a great book. Glad you guys are here today. And there's a lot of other new faces. I don't know if I don't know you and get a chance to meet you. Love to shake your hand on the way out. But we're glad you guys are here. Once you to know this. If you're visiting with us, you're welcome and you're wanted here. You're welcelcomed and you're wanted in here. We also want you to know this. You don't have to believe everything that we believe to belong here. You don't have to believe everything that we believe 
to belong here. You can come here and hang out with us, and we're just glad you're here today. But I want to help you today. I want to talk to you and kind of catch you guys up. If you're just now joining with us over this six-week series, and you just kind of popped in today, I'm going to catch you guys up on the last four weeks, if that's okay with you. You're like, man, some of you guys have been coming for a while. You're like, how are you going to get in four weeks of sermons in a few moments? I'm going to. Week one, we looked at the fact that this, we should live now like we're going to live in heaven. We should live now like we're going to live in heaven because one day we're going to make it to heaven and that's our final residence. Your address today is not your last address. If you're a Christian, you know Jesus as your savior. Your last address is a place called heaven. I don't know where it's at. I don't have the address for it. I can't explain everything there is about heaven. I was talking to Chad about this, Chad about this, this week. Like, I don't know anything there is to know about heaven. I don't really know anything, what, everything there knows. I don't know everything you need to know about heaven or hell, but I know this, that this is not our last place. We're going to spend our life in a place called eternity and I don't know the address to it. But we need to live now like we're going to live in heaven. The Apostle Paul wanted us to know that. He wanted us to be able to realize that God has got a plan for our life. And it's, we live out this earth and then we spend an eternity with God. And then we too, we looked at the fact that Jesus shared his life with us so we could share our life with other people. Jesus shared his life with us so that we could share our life with other people. We had a guy visit the church a few weeks ago and filled a connection card. And uh, I think this is ringing back just a little bit. If you could maybe cancel a little bit for me. If it's not, maybe it's just my ears. Um, I'm hopped up on sugar today. I'm, like, super excited about today. And I'm going on vacation on Tuesday, so I'm really excited about that. Like, I think if I get church over really quick, vacation will come faster. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I love you guys, and I love being here. Um, But Jesus shared his life. Oh, that's better. Thanks, bro. Jesus shared his life with us so we could share a life with other people. God has intended you to share your life with other people. So this, this a guy uh, visited our church um, a few weeks ago and um, he filled a connection card. And in the connection card in the back of it said, I saw this guy wearing this t-shirt that says, I love my church. I love my, I love my church. And the website was on the bottom. So I Googled it and I found out it was the pastor. And uh, because my CrossFit coach is in here today, I hate to say this, but I was at an ice cream shop. You know, if people see me, I don't go to anything. I don't do anything healthy. So I'm eating ice cream at um, Frozen, Frozen Cow, which is an awesome ice cream establishment. I think they're going to have a spot set up right when you walk into heaven on the right. Uh, Starbucks on the left, Frozen Cow on the right. And so, um, but I was eating ice cream. And anyways, the guy came and you know, he visited our church and him and his wife have been coming. But I, I told him this, he's like, I'm out of town this week, but when we get back, let's get ice cream together. And I was like, sure, I'll eat ice cream. You know, that's why I work out, you know, so I can eat ice cream. And so we need to share our life with other people. We're made to do that. Week three, we looked at the fact that you need Jesus and you also need people. You need Jesus, but you, you, and you also, you also need people. Like, you need people around you in life to encourage you. Uh, Linus said this, like, God, you know, I, I want to have this I want to have be God-filled, and whether my haters are coming at me, my encouragers, but you need people in your life. It's you need people in your life. You just you have to have it. If you ask anyone who's ever been around people, it's good for your soul. People make you laugh. They also make you cry, but they make you laugh. And people are good for you. It's good to have people in your life. You need Jesus, and you also need people. And then last week we looked at this: knowing yourself begins with knowing God. Knowing yourself begins with knowing God. If you don't know God, you'll never, ever be able to really, truly know yourself. Here's a little simple example for you today. Like, if you, I've used this for as long as you've been coming to our church, but I've been using it for a long time. Like, if you have a TV that's a Sony TV, you take it to, if it breaks, you take it to Sony to help you fix it. We have this laptop back there, and, and it's not, it's, it's, it runs all of our lights, and I had, to, I had to send it back to this place to, to get it fixed, and... 
broke because it was a PC, obviously, and so I had to send it to this place to get it fixed. And when I, they brought it back to me, it came back with it came back with a different brake on it. I'm like, oh, drove me nuts. But I had to send that laptop back to its manufacturer because I that's where I, got, I can't walk into Apple and say, here you go. They would laugh at me. They would say, no, that wrong place. I had to ship it to them. Like, we'll have it back to you in three to five days. And three to five days means multiply that times two and then add two. And that's how many days it took to get it back. And then something else was wrong that when I got it, when I got it back. But you have to go to your manufacturer. And our manufacturer is a guy named God, a, a man named Jesus Christ. Jesus created you. I was at our men's Bible study this past week with our men. And, and, and the Bible talks about in Genesis when God, when God, um, when God made earth, the Bible said he actually scooped into the ground and, and, and he began to use the dust and the dirt from the ground to create, to create. And so I was asking the guys, like I know like, we don't see in the Bible where it says God made sand and God made dirt, but I wonder sometimes just for all of you guys that are, um, that are artists, I, I wonder sometimes if God took the clay and made like, if he's like, I, I know God's an incredible artist because he made all of us, but I wonder if God dug into the dirt and made an elephant and then like, looked at it and was like, that's gonna work. Let's make that trunk longer. Okay, cool. And then he's like, Pff, and then it became an elephant. You follow me? Like, or for tigers or lions or bears or my, like, I don't know how he did it, but I wonder if he scooped into the ground and made like these clay objects and said, okay, cool, that's gonna be a lion. If he made a dog and said, okay, cool, longer, and then, and then do that. I know God didn't make cats because cats are of the devil, but I don't know how that happened, but he made these animals and he said, cool, I'm gonna set them in motion. And they're going to go, and I always hate on cats probably because I'm afraid of them. Um, but I watched this movie when I was younger called Strays. It was just, it was a scary, you saw that movie in the back. Yeah, it, it scared me. So they're, they're kind of scaring me. But I go, what if God just dug into the dirt and made things and made clay models and dirt models and spit on them and, and tweaked a little bit and said, okay, cool, you're in motion and go ahead and go. You'll, and then said, okay, now you can live. And I don't know how, if he, that's how he did it, but we've been looking at, um, I, I, know, I know this when we were talking about that this week, that we have to know our, man, we have to know our manufacturer. We have to know, our, we have to know our, our owner for us to know how we're supposed to go and do and live life. We're going to be doing next steps right after church today, next steps week one. And when you come to next steps, you get to learn. We try to help people find their, how to figure out how they're designed and their destiny how to figure out what they're supposed to do in life. And we try to help people and we try to help craft them and let them know, hey, listen, there's a plan for your life. God's gonna do something great in your life and we want you to know that. And here's what it looks like. Here's what your gifting is. Here's what your strengths are. Here, you ought to do this because this looks really good on you and I think you would crush that. You would, you would kill that. And so we try to put them and set them in motion, help them connect with God so they can know what they're called and who they're called to be. But today I wanna to talk to you guys about the marriage of forgiveness and joy. The marriage of forgiveness and joy. When you mesh forgiveness and joy together, whew, amazing things can happen. You can't have great joy if you don't know how to forgive people. And if you don't know how to forgive people, then you ain't got no joy. That's just the reality of it. And I was looking at these two things this week, and I realized they go well together. And um, so if we can today, if you have a Bible, open up to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and uh, verse 12. Um, I'm gonna, I'd like to teach you guys today uh, two different sermons. Before I get to forgiveness and joy, I want to preach to you Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 16. And I want to give you a couple things from that. And then I'm going to preach to you guys today what I, what I wanted to share with you today. Philippians chapter 3, uh, in verse 12, the Bible says this. Put the Apostle Paul, rewind. The Apostle Paul is writing this book to us. His name wasn't always Paul. It used to be Saul. 
And Saul was a professional Christian killer. That was his job. I got a message this week today and from this week from a friend. She goes, please pray for uh, this people group. Um, they're gonna, there's 25 Christians that are going to be sentenced to death tomorrow. The message that she got, can you please pray for these Christians? And Christians all around the world are being killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. As we speak today, we have freedom to worship today. And, um, but there's people around the world, there being crucified and they're being holes are being dug and they're being put in there and being suffocated and churches are being locked up and barred up and being set on fire because they're following Jesus. And we have the freedom to worship today and they don't. And, um, but the apostle Paul, that was his job. Saul was his job. He used to kill Christians. That was his, that was, he was professional Christian killer. He has an encounter with Jesus and now he's the greatest marketer for the name of Christ ever was, probably ever will be. And that's what his job. He goes around, he sets up these churches in these major, major cities on these port places and on these port places, these cities where, where everybody came in there. He would put them in like the equivalent of the New York and the LA's and the, and the Amsterdam's and the London's. He would put them at major cities. He'd put these churches there and then he would spread the gospel and then his goal was for them to spread further, further and further and further and further, which is what God put us on earth to do. We're called to be mouthpieces for Jesus. And so we're supposed to do the same thing that Paul did. We're doing it here in Winter Garden and we'll continue to do it all around the world, the way God's called us to do it. So Philippians chapter three, Paul says this to them. He's telling them how to live their life. He's telling them this is what they should look like. They should, we, we talked about things like um, don't be selfish and be kind to people and love people and encourage people and do good things and help people and serve people. And then he says this in verse 12. I don't mean to say that I already achieved these things, that I, already, I, that I have already reached perfection. He says, hey guys, I want you guys to know I'm superhuman and we want you guys to know, I think sometimes, and I, I grew up in, in a church, and maybe you did too, where you think, man, the pastor has it all together, and, and I really tried hard to pursue Jesus, but we're not perfect people. There's not one person in this room here today that's perfect. Not one, and it's, and, and it's not me, and it's always humbling for you whenever you have your siblings in here. It'd be like, I want to know if Wes is perfect. Just ask my siblings. They're here today, or ask Chad. He remembers the high school Wes Beecham, and I know this for me, that I haven't, I haven't achieved at all. My, I haven't achieved everything that I want to achieve. I haven't, I haven't landed at perfection. And Paul says, hey, guys, I've done a lot of things. Man, I've preached the gospel. I, I, I knew a lot of religious stuff. I went to church. I gave. I served. I'm a missionary. I'm writing this letter to you guys while I'm in prison. But I want you guys to think, don't think, oh, man, what, what, Paul is incredible. Don't think I've got it all figured out and I'm perfect and I've got it, I have the end on Christianity. He's like, because I don't. He says, perfection happens when I get to heaven. And so as he's spitting this out to them, he says this, I, have reached, I haven't reached perfection. He goes, but here's what I do. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Whenever Paul says one thing, it's never just one thing. But he says, I focus on this one thing. I forget the past and I look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us, and that's a verse that's on a lot of, a lot of uh, coffee mugs and maybe even door, doormats and, and bumper stickers, but he says, I press on to the mark. I'm trying to reach this goal. I'm, I'm pressing. I'm, I'm pushing. I'm, I'm going forward, and, and I want you guys to know this. I think it's important for me to let you know this, that being a follower of Jesus Christ does not mean everything's going to be just uh, roses and, and everything's going to be perfect sunshine. Things are hard. Paul's like, I had to press through some stuff. I went through some things. I had, to, I had to push in, and I had to press, and I had to break through, and I couldn't just sit back and let it come to me. This is just Christianity, just following Jesus. Thing. It is just, I didn't wake up one day and thought, okay, I'm a great forgiver. 
I'm doing great at forgiving. Man, I, I got great joy. I'm just, I'm just crushing in the joy category. Man, I, I'm just full of peace. I've got peace just all around me. Everything's just going great. He says, I don't want you to think I've got it all, I've got it all figured out. He goes, I'm still pressing. And I want some of us in here today, you've got to keep on pressing. Maybe you're tired today. You have to keep on pressing. Maybe you're weird. Maybe things aren't making sense relationally. You have to keep on pressing. Maybe your job's not working out, but you have to keep on pressing. 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 And that's the story of life. You have to keep on pressing. And when you get down, it's important to have people around you because they can pick you up so you can keep on pressing. And if you can't press, there'll come some people alongside you and they'll help press with you. I don't fight all my battles alone. I fight them with people. I gear up with people all around me. I gear up, ready, get ready for myself. And there's some battles I can't face alone. I go and I say, hey, I need you to help me with this and, and encourage me and help me get through this. And we have to press together. And so he says in here, I, I press on, I keep on, I keep on going. But I, I just wanted to, that's not what I wanted to share with you today. That's part of what I want to share with you guys. I really want to get into Philippians chapter four. But here's what I want you to know about this little past, this little portion here. I want you to know this, that your past will paralyze you if you let it. Your past will paralyze you if you let it. Your past will paralyze you if you let it. I'm not the same guy I was in high school. Praise God. I'm, I'm going. I'm not the same guy I was 10 years ago. I'm not the same guy I was five years ago. I'm not the same guy I was three years ago because I've decided I'm gonna keep on pressing towards following Jesus. I'm gonna continue to know more about Jesus. And the things that I've done that I'm not proud of, I don't let them paralyze me. Because if I let them paralyze me, it'll, when you're paralyzed, you stay where you're at. I was talking to a friend of mine, um, she, talking to a friend of mine that uh, goes to our gym this, this week, and she has a daughter who, who's paralyzed. And she was saying, man, pray for my daughter, and she has to be on 100% supervision, and she was explaining to me what paralyzed. I, I knew her daughter was paralyzed, but she was saying, think about this, 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 and I realized when you're paralyzed, you can't go nowhere. And life's not meant to sit still. Life's not meant to stay where you're at. He says, you gotta forget the past, and you gotta move you got to move on. Your past will paralyze you if you let it. And I saw this from one of some of you guys' favorite speakers, favorite pastors. Don't let, don't, let, don't let what's behind you make you miss what's before you. Don't let what's behind you make you miss what's before you. I was listening to another preacher this week today, um, this, this past week, and you're like, man, well, you listen to a lot of sermons. I'm in my car a lot. I drive my kids to school in the morning 30 minutes each way, and I have some time to listen to some sermons. And then in the afternoon, I drive back 30 minutes, pick them up, and I drive back 30 minutes. And sometimes I'm driving from place to place to meet people. And a few weeks ago, I was in Tampa, and I, I, I'm in my car a lot. Tomorrow, this week, I'll go drive four hours, I'll go on vacation. If Diana begins to fall asleep and doze off, I'll take my earbuds out, and I'll put them in my ears, and I'll try to listen to a sermon. And it's rude if she's awake, but if she's asleep, it's fair game. You know what I'm saying? So I'll put in a sermon, and I'll be listening to a sermon. That, that's what I do, but... This pastor was talking about being in the desert and the wilderness. That's what he was talking about. He said, I just, there's, there's times in life where you go through the wilderness and you go to the, to the desert. And here's the thing that, that, that blew my mind, Josh, that a lot of times when we're in the wilderness, we're asking God for water, and it's right there. But it's not, but it's not the route we want to go. It isn't the, it's not the water we're looking for. And the, what the pastor was saying is, that don't, be look, don't be asking God for water when there's water right in front of you, but if it don't look like water, the water you want it to look like, and it may not taste like the water that you think it should taste like, and it may not look like. We're in desert seasons of life that sometimes we take ourselves to the desert. We walk ourselves to the desert. Our past keeps us or lets, leads us to the path we're in the desert. And like, God, please send water. God, please send water. And it's right there, and we're like, we don't want to go there and get it because it looks uncomfortable. I don't know if I want that. 
I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm interested in that kind of water. It looks a little bit too full on for me. It almost looks like Jesus water. I don't want Jesus water. <laughs> that looks a little bit too in, that looks a little bit too intense for me. Well, we'll or you can just stay. God's like, or you can just stay in the desert. You like the desert? I don't like the desert. I'm complaining in Orlando when it's hot out. If God said, hey, here's water, I was telling someone yesterday, like, I, I, I was praying for the rain. Like, I don't usually pray for rain, but I was so glad for rain. But you know what I'm now? Because I'm, I'm an Orlandonian, I'm now I'm praying that the rain would stop. I'm like, God send rain, God send rain, God send rain, God sends rain. And I'm like, God, please stop the rain, God, please stop the rain, God, please stop the rain. You, you know what I'm talking about. When it's cold, when it's, when it's hot all year long, I'm like, God, please send a little bit of cold weather. God, please send, like, we need God, we need winter to be more than just one day, God. And I'm praying, God, please let it cold. When it gets cold, if it's cold for long than three days, I'm like, God, please send the sun. God, please send the sun. God, please send the sun. We live lives like that. But if we don't forget the past, you know, we're going we're gonna to live it, and we're going to relive 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 it, and it will always paralyze you, and you'll never get to be all that God has you to be. We're called to be in progress. We're called to be in progress. Let me get into Philippians chapter four, verse one. The Bible says this. Um, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. He loves these guys. You guys remember how we started off? I told you guys this several weeks in a row now. He was there in Philippi. And when he was at Philippi, there was this guy there, um, and there was this girl there, and there was a few people there that he had a huge impact with. One was, uh, was, a, jail, was a jailer. He used to run the prison system. He made such a great impact with, with that guy that all the guards knew who he was, and he witnessed to them and led them to Christ. That's what he did. But before that, what got him there was he was out about, and there was a little girl with a demon-possessed, a little Chucky doll kind of girl, and people, her owners used her to make money because she was a freak of nature. Like, hey, look at this freak of nature. Well, Saul said demons come out of her. It changed her life, and the people got mad about it. And because he did that, her life was changed forever. They threw him in prison because he healed this little girl. And there was another lady, lady her name was Lydia, and she was a baller when it came to in the, design the design industry. She had it together. I mean, this girl, she was in her, Philippi was her second home. She had homes and cars, and Paul introduced her to Jesus. It changed her life forever. So Paul's like, I love you guys. I miss you guys. I can't wait to come back and see you guys again. And he, he knows what's going on there. So verse 2 says this, Now I appeal to you, Yodia and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement, and I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are written in the book of life. You don't know what that means, so let me explain to you. These two girls helped them start the church, and now they're fighting. And Paul, and this is so, this is so God had all this stuff figured out and strategically placed, but he starts talking about forgiveness because he's going to go from forgiveness to joy. And I already told you, if you don't have forgiveness, then you'll never, ever have joy. Or you may have it in spurts, but you don't have the joy that just flows out of you and in you and around you. But he says, hey, you guys get them to forgive each other. You guys forgive each other. You guys quit fighting each other. You guys know what I'm talking about fighting. If you're married, you fought the whole way to church. That, you know, like, you get it, you know? Or, you know, or tax season time. Some of you guys are my friends. You're like, you know, that's, that's fighting. You know that. Or, 
hey, you were supposed to be home at X and you weren't home yet. Or, hey, where's your, I've been texting you all day or calling you all day. How come you haven't answered your phone? That's fighting. They're, they're fighting. I don't have to give you different examples of fighting. Maybe you're here today with your, with your roommate. And so maybe you know what, what fighting is. Or maybe you have a friend that you haven't talked to in a while. So you know what fighting is. And he says, you guys quit fighting with each other. You guys need to forgive each other. He's like, you need to forgive each other because I'm going to start talking about joy. And if you don't forgive each other, you're not going to have joy. You're not going to have all that I have planned for you if you're holding on to this one thing. If you're still holding on to the things that are in the past, I used to be a professional grudge holder. Like if that was a competition, I would win. <laughs> my friend Renee's here. Someone say that you're my twin. Oh, me and you. Yeah, me and Lisa, we can, we can, we can, we can if it's a competition, I guess you and I could compete. Like I can hold a grudge easy. And I did it for so long that it became a natural habit and that became subconscious. And God's worked on me and worked on me and worked on me and worked on me and brought people in my life and brought people in my life and brought God's word and brought people in my life and God's people in my life. And I kept on, I had to learn this. And one of the things that, that stood out to me, one of the things that I got, I got from a family is that you have to give grace because one day you're gonna need it. You've gotta give forgiveness because one day you're going to need it. you got to give forgiveness at the pace in which it was given to you. And forgiveness was given to you at a full flow from, from Jesus Christ. He's forgiven us. So if you don't get forgiveness, you're not going to get the second part. So i got to spend time on it. But if you don't forgive forgiveness, you'll never, ever, never, ever get the joy. Forgiven people, forgive people. Forgiven people, forgive people. You're like, Wes, I don't want to do that because if I do that, it means I let them off the hook. No, I think this. If you forgive them, it actually lets you off the hook because they're not thinking about you. The offender, while you're not forgiving them, the offender's not thinking about you. <laughs> they don't care because they offended you. So why are they worried about you? They already, they've already offended you. And they've already wiped their hands clean of you. But if you don't forgive them between you and God, then you're letting them stay in your life and let them just hang around in your life. Forgiveness frees you to live in freedom. Forgiveness frees you to live in freedom. You were designed to live in freedom, but if you don't forgive, then you'll never ever live in freedom. You'll never live the life that God, content, God gave you to live. You'll never receive joy because you, don't have it, you haven't mastered forgiveness. And I'm, I'm here today to tell you what Paul said. Like Paul's like, I, didn't get, I don't have all this stuff figured out. I'm not batting a thousand when it comes to forgiveness, but I'm trying really, 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 really hard. I'm trying my best, guys. And what he's saying to us is, as a community of believers, like, hey, let's try to forgive really, 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 really hard. Now, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, I forgave really good when I was three and four. The offenses weren't that bad when we were three and four. The problem is when we get older, the offenses get deeper and get harder and get more difficult. But if you can create a culture of forgiveness now, you'll get to be older and you'll have a forgiving heart. And you'll get older and you'll have a forgiving heart. And when you can forgive people, you can live in freedom. And he says, girls, quit fighting. It's funny that it was girls. Just saying. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Guys, we don't fight because we don't talk. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do a lot of pre-marriage pre coaching, and I'm like, and I'm telling, I'm telling these couples, and I'm like, I'm, I'll say, I told the lady this week, I'll say, I'm going to help you with your fiance. Like, Please help me. Like, I, she's like, I ask him, like, he hangs out with his guy friends. I'm like, what do you guys talk about? Like, we don't talk about nothing. If, you, if your spouse gets home today, ladies, and they say, what do you and your boys talk about? We didn't talk. We just hung out. We didn't say anything. 
We can laugh, not even say words. We're watching TV typically. We're not even talking. Like, we just be this close to each other, like, not even saying a whole lot. How was it? You guys were together for two hours. You guys didn't say anything? Nope. That's how it works. So all of us, does it, we, we, and then we walk away from that, that conversation, hanging out with guys. And we're like, man, I forgot what I said anyways. What did you do all day? Um, he says, guys, I want you to be forgivers. I want our church to be marked as a church that forgives people. I want us to give grace at a very fast pace. I want us to give, forgive people as fast as we can forgive it. Because when we, for, we, when we can forgive people, then we can have joy in our lives. So in verse 4, the Bible says this, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, this is the, this is the, the most important, the key verse in this whole entire letter that he writes to the Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, he says this, Always be full of joy in the Lord. Again, I say it again, rejoice. Always have joy. Now, I know what you're thinking. That sounds impossible because I've been offended. Or, man, that's, it's possible to have joy because I've got, I've got circumstances. It's hard, for me, it's hard for me to have joy because I gotta, I'm a busy guy. I'm a, I'm a business owner I'm trying to make the numbers match up. Like, it's hard to have joy all of the time. Here's what I know. It may be hard, but we all want joy. Everyone, if I sit down with you today, you would say, man, if I start from here to Casey all the way in the back to Miss Marina, if I ask you, hey, do you want joy today? You would say, man, absolutely I want joy. Who didn't want that? The guy, that I, the guy today, I was, I was driving today, I was putting out some of the signs that you, that you guys see when you come out here today, and, and uh, I was tested, my joy was tested today. And I'm trying to prepare this joy thing, and I've, it, had been, it had been tested multiple times this week, because typically whenever I talk to you guys about something, God wants to make sure that I believe what I'm going to say to you before I say it. So I'm in my car today, and I pull around from Beulah, and I turn, I see this guy running with those stupid new iPhone earbuds that have no cord. Like, you can tell there are, you don't see any, like, long-distance runner wearing those, because those kind of things, when you're running a half marathon or a full they're going to fall out and someone's going to step on them. And when I finish telling you what I'm saying about this guy, I hope, his, I hope he does run a half marathon. I hope his do fall out. I hope someone steps on him. <laughs> because I wave at him. He didn't wave at me. And I'm like, why didn't you wave back at me? I've got joy. You need joy. You need to wave back at me when I wave at you. That's what I'm thinking. I'm smiling. Hey, how are you? He didn't wave back at me. And I'm like, that's cool. I'm gonna let him off. Maybe he's maybe he's in tune. You know, maybe he runs like I run, and I'm listening to sermons. Like that's lame. That's where I roll. But I'm, maybe he's maybe he's intent, and maybe he's listening to a leadership podcast. I don't know. But he's he's in Jr. He's like he's locked in. So I'm like, no big deal. I'm gonna let him go. And what makes things even worse for me too with this guy is he's running on the road. Like I, I would say that I'm a runner. I've run a couple half marathons. I don't know that I'm man enough to run a full marathon or woman enough to run a full marathon. I'm not sure if I'm there yet, Annie. But 13 is good for me. It's just, it's just a, it feels good. 13.1 feels good. And so he's running on the road. I'm like, bro, get out. I want to be like, bro, get out of the road. So he didn't wave at me. So I was mad. My joy began to seep away from me. So I pulled the car over and I got out and I grabbed the yard sign in the back of the truck and I went and put the yard sign in the, in the yard. You're like, you, I was going to get out and fight him. I wanted to. So I took the yard sign out and I put it in the ground and it said, you know, we can't wait to see you. And God's like, do you want that guy to come to your church? I'm like, God, I didn't ask you, you know. So no big deal. It's cool. It's no big deal. So I get in the car and I, I drive up, pull into the parking lot and those two flag men are there. I pull my truck there and I'm, I put my two flag. And here he comes. I'm like, he must not have, now I'm like, now I've given him a reason. I'm like, maybe he didn't see me. So I'm going to make sure he sees me now. Like, he's passing me, Derek. <laughs> he's going to see me and he's going to hear me. Hey, how you doing? He's going to hear it clear. And you can hear, I don't care what kind of headphones you are, have on. You can hear me. 
you know, unless you have the noise canceling ones, the big beats like that, like, you hear me. So I'm like, how you doing? Smile, put on my pastor smile. No. How you doing? He didn't say anything to me. So I'm like, you know what, maybe, he, maybe he's having a bad day. Maybe he's intent, no big deal. He gets past the truck. I'm blocking the sidewalk. He gets past the truck. And he goes, he didn't even look back. Just kept running. He goes, thanks for blocking the sidewalk. Yeah. I don't wear this to set up. I got Nikes on. I got Nike shorts. I got a dry fit shirt on. I got the Apple watch. It helps me run faster. JR, I wanted to chase him down and be like, sir, what's your problem? That's what I wanted to do. I mean, I would have I put it on if I had to. I mean, I'm just kidding. I was like, dude, what's, and God was like, you gonna let that take your joy? I'm like, if I can go have an inter- if I can go get it back from that guy, he took it. I'll be a lot better, God. But that guy, I was like, dude, what's a, what's your problem? Like, and he was such a softy. We're in church, so I'm gonna edit. Like, he's such a softy. He couldn't say it. Like, why didn't he say it when he was when I said, hey, how you doing today? Why didn't he say it as he was approaching me, hey man, thanks. Why move your truck? Why didn't you say that? Like, sure, he could have thought. I think that's not why. Didn't want you to move your truck. But he didn't say, why didn't he say that? Why was he man enough? That's what I'm thinking right here. Why wasn't he man enough to say it to my face? You know, like, do it like a man. He kept going. I went, I wanted to be like, why don't you come back here? And as I began to say that, God like took over my mouth. This is, this is an illustration for being spirit-led. God said, I want, I want to say, come back here. And I opened my mouth and my mouth said, sorry about that, sir. <laughs> man, it made me so mad. But you know what I know? I'm sharing that with you this. Because for a lot of us in here today, we let other people steal our joy. We do. They just, you, we let people hijack stuff from us that, that, that belong to us all the time. And joy is not something that someone should be able to take from you. I love what this guy said. I learned this in way back. I heard this way back in high school and just brought it back to me I just, as I was studying this week. But joy is the infallible sign of the presence of God. Joy is the infallible sign of the presence of God. By however you say that guy's name. Pierre, Pierre Cardine. I also wrote down this about joy. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every single day. You can lose it. If you drive in Orlando or in Winter Garden, I love when people, when people bash Orlando drivers. Well, yeah, Lisa says go to Miami. The problem with Orlando drivers is is that most of them, they're not from Orlando. I mean, we have all these stinking tourists driving around. That's the problem. Like, that's, it's, not, it's not Florida drivers. We, we drive great. It's these guys that are, you know, we have all, like half of you guys here today, you're from somewhere other state. You can go in the parking lot say you can pass by New York, Oregon. You can pass by a handful of license plates out there. We got everyone driving here. A few weeks ago, I had this lady say, hey, sir, can you help me pump, your, pump my gas? I'm like, excuse me? And she goes, I'm from New Jersey. I've never pumped gas before. Makes good sense. Let me help you with that. My joy came back all of a sudden. I'm like, hey, let me help you. Everyone's from different places. It's, hard. it's easy to let people take your joy. And that's something silly with the car thing. But the, the offense, like I said, the offenses get deeper. Kim's here today. Kim had a heart attack last Saturday. Who comes to church six days later after a heart attack? I don't know, but Kim does. Camping with her family having a good old time, and has a heart attack. Well, that would, that would hijack my joy. 
So I was like, Dustin, where's your, what hospital is your mom? I'm gonna come see her. She's like, we're in Daytona. I'm like, all right, sorry. <laughs> he said, don't come, we're in Daytona. That's what he said. So I took him up for his word and I said, I can't. So I get out of, I, so that, that was on, I'm getting all that Saturday night and Sunday morning. She has a stent put in. She's do, obviously she's doing okay because she's here today. And it's easy to let that steal your joy. The circumstances. But a lot of times that, that probably pales in comparison to what people do to us. Because people can really just take our joy from us. That was an outside circumstance that she couldn't prevent. But I also got a message Sunday morning. Hey, please come to the hospital. Please come visit. Could you, it was a guy. He said, can you please come visit my son? His name is Jeremy. Well, he went in there. He thought he had, he thought he had meningitis. And long story short, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. But he just sent the hospital. He goes, man, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm discouraged. He goes, they thought I had meningitis and thought it was a contagious kind. And they, they got that and they figured that out. And they figured out it wasn't that. And this, but he goes, man, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just his, his dad was like, I'm just, just, he's just discouraged. Can you come visit him? Our circumstances can take our joy from us, and so can people, but they're not supposed to. They're not supposed to. Joy is an infallible sign of the presence of God. When you've, when you've encountered God, you should be able to keep your joy. Is it hard? Absolutely. Verse 7 says this. Um, then... Verse six, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done for you. Gratitude's a huge thing. Verse seven, he says, then, if you can do these things, if you can always be full of joy and, and you can have gratitude and you can pray, then you will experience the peace of God, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, Another, another, another ending. He says, and now, brothers and sisters, one final thing. <laughs> said it again. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure, lovely and admirable. Think on these things. Whatever is excellent and worthy of praise, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will come with you. I want to give you two more things and I'll be done. Here's the first one. One of the first ones. Peace comes in the middle of the process. Peace comes in the middle of the process. We love, when we see people, we always see the, the final version. Like, oh, they're doing great. They're, they're crushing it. We see their chapter 27 and we're in chapter 15 in our, of our life. But here's what I know. The peace, it comes in the middle of the process. It's just part of it. It's gonna be stinky, it's gonna be muddy, it's gonna be dirty, it's gonna be hard, it's gonna be defeating, it's gonna be discouraging. If you stay in the process, you'll find peace. But most people say, you know what, I'm gonna trade all this in and go an easier route. And what they find is that they get to the easier route to find out that it was actually the hard route. And then they find themselves coming back to the process and then when they come back to the process again, you know what they find when they get back to the process? They find peace when they get back to the process. It's always buried in the middle. It ain't, you don't, no one's ever got peace when they, you get saved, meet Jesus, and you don't inherit peace day one. Like you do, but you don't know how to flush that out. Because life's, people throwing grenades at you, bombs at you, shooting arrows at you, flat tires at you, middle fingers at you, everything's coming your way. And peace ain't there, you'll be honest, peace ain't there. And when you have a heart attack, you don't wake up and say, oh man, I'm so peace. I feel so peaceful. Just, I have this overwhelming peace about me. <laughs> it comes in the process. It doesn't come in the first post. It comes four or five days later. I mean, I'm so thankful 
for all these people that have been praying for me, that have been bringing meals to me. You don't get peace. Chris and Emily are here today. They had a baby four, almost five weeks ago. And, um, and, and Emily said, man, I'm so, Emily, you don't, you don't get peace day one. Like it's cute when it comes out, maybe just like a hint of peace, but like you, it, it turns into all out war for a while until you figure it all out. You know what I'm saying, ladies? Because <laughs> guys, we don't have a clue. We can just nod our head like, yeah, 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 yeah. We get it. But three, two weeks into it, three weeks later, I saw Emily post, like, I'm so thankful for the people that have, peace comes like so much, peace comes down the middle somewhere. It doesn't happen. Travis has started another business. I was talking to him today about some, I was talking to him this week at Disney about some of the struggles of the business and some of the frustrations that he has. And he was talking to me about him and I thought, you know, he's gonna get through it. And as soon as he makes, he's trying to make this decision. And I knew as soon as he makes this decision, that's how it works for me. As soon as I make the decision, peace typically comes after I make the hard decision. But if I just let it fester for a while, I'm like, I'm miserable. But as soon as I can say yes or no to the decision, then I'm like, this feels so much better. I was talking to my friend this week. We had a high school hangout at our house. I was talking to one of the moms. She's a business owner and realtor. And she said, man, I just, I'm torn up with anxiety. I said, you know what I've learned about anxiety? If whatever's wearing you out, you would say no to it. As soon as you can say no on the other side, then peace can come. <laughs> it's right on the other side of the no or the yes, then peace comes. I was with Randy this week, another business owner. And I don't have anything to offer Randy. Randy was talking to me. <laughs> He's like telling his wife, give me a piece of paper. He's like drawing out what I need to, you know, he's helping fix me because I need to be fixed on some things. And he was, you need to do this, do this right here. And I'm like, that's it? Just that real quick? You know, you've been doing it a lot longer than I have, but he's like, do this, do this, do this, do this. And if you do this, then it, like this, and turn it. Peace always comes in the middle of the process. And then lastly, when you start thinking about, band, you can come up, I'm done. I promise I'm done. He says here in this passage of scripture, here's what you should think on. And, and, and here's, here's the closing. You want your mind to match your actions and eventually they will. Your mind will eventually match your actions. Your mind will eventually match your actions if, if and only if, if you think on whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is right, whatever is honorable, whatever is admirable, whatever is true, and the only thing I can tell you, if I were to put a picture next to a thing that's true, I would put a picture of a guy by name of Jesus. And if I want to give you a thing of what, look, what honorable looks like, I would put up a name Jesus. And if I were to put a picture of the word right, I'd put up Jesus. And if I put up, put up a picture of the word pure, I would put up Jesus. And if I were to put up, put up a picture of a word, a picture for the word lovely, I would put Jesus and admirable, I would put Jesus. When you and I get our mind on Jesus, our eventually our actions will match our mind. But, and you know this, the battle is won in your mind. It's not your heart. Like Jesus lives in your heart, but some, but like demons live in your mind. <laughs> demons can't live in your heart because God says, I own that. Yeah, once I have your heart, I have it. It's your mind. It's your mind. But if you can think on Jesus, whatever is Jesus, and 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 whatever is Jesus, then eventually, your mind will begin to start matching your actions. And that's what we all want. We want to live a life that looks, that looks like the life that Jesus intended for us to live. Why don't we get our mind on the one that can make our life look like what we want it to look like? I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes.